There was four and started shooting. Two took the side, two took the side. You see where the kids are playing. He was laying there. And I did challenge the ANC and I'm still challenging them to say, if you are not responsible for the killings of Abashali, come out in the open and say the people who are saying that they are members of the ANC are not doing that on behalf of the ANC. I'm at Katomana police station in Durban. It is in the style of most South African police stations, a compound of disparate buildings and mini parking lots. The station is less than a kilometer from the Ekanana communal garden, where Ayanda Nagile was assassinated. I'm here to gather information about the suspect that has been arrested in connection with Ayanda's murder. I asked for an interview with the station's communications officer, Captain Christopher Sabaya. When Ayanda was shot on that Tuesday afternoon in March 2022, Sabaya tells me that he heard it while sitting at his desk. We had a gunshot. If you are here, we had something. something from here? Yes. Something's happening. Then we receive a call. Somebody has been shot. I ask about the suspect who's been arrested. I attended the scene. They said so and so shot this person. You went to. A, a, yes, I went garden. to the scene. Yeah. I went, yes. Yeah. And then they told us even their family, who's the, the family of the suspect. They went to the father, Samson Ngubani. We told his father that tell us where is this boy because we don't want to waste the state resources looking for him while you know where, where is he. We don't want to worry you, to wake you up by 12 o'clock midnight looking for this your, your son. Yeah. Tell us where is he. Then his father told us, no, he's in the rural area in my respect. Where about my respect? Gave us a direction. Then my member, our detective, I.O., yeah. drove straight there and arrested him and, and came back and told me, Captain, and then he put him inside. This close relationship between the police and Samson and Gabani has naturally been noted by members of Abakhali. But the question is, what business does Kaya and Gabani allegedly have in killing Ayanda? Welcome to The Last Afternoon in the Garden, a four-part podcast series produced and presented by me, Paul McNally, for Develop Audio. Over four episodes, we're going to be looking into the assassination of land activist Ayanda Nagila. This is the second episode in the series. If you haven't listened to the first, then go back and check it out now. Now let's return to Caddo Manor Police Station, where we are talking to Captain Sabayer. The guy that you arrested, is he ANC? We don't know who's ANC there. We don't know who's the IFP there. We don't know who's the DA there. I ask this because Abakhali, the organization Ayanda belonged to, has made numerous accusations towards South Africa's ruling party, the ANC, that have accused them of oppressing them, wrongfully imprisoning them, and ordering their members to be assassinated. They always said the ANC is worrying them. Even if you go there, you will not find anyone's wearing a t-shirt of the ANC. Mm. We don't know anyone. If you come there, come to the church office, open the case. I can't say, 
which political party we belong to. Mm. No, just we'll give you some questions to see to it there's any element of crime. Next, I speak to journalist Lawazi Halangu on the time he went to meet the Ngobanis and he saw Kaya, obviously just before he was arrested. I went to, to the Ngobanis to give them the right to respond and Kaya was there. They said on that day, the day uh, Ayanda was killed, they said they have witnesses uh, who can confirm that he was drinking somewhere but was not in Ekenan. For someone who's only met him twice, I think he's uh, quiet. But uh, that's not what people from Ekenan who've lived with him say about him. So to me, it seems like a quiet boy, but <laughs> what's to say? I then go back to Captain Sabaya and ask him, why does he think the people in that area are being attacked so much? You see, these people, yeah. they build the shacks there. Mm. They fight and then they run away. Right. And then they grab that land again. Because the court ruled that they could take it, right? No, that this one now. The land belongs to municipality. They are not telling you the true story. The truth is, on the 13th of February 2019, the High Court granted an order interdicting the municipality from performing unlawful evictions at Ekanana. Then in July of 2019, the municipality argued that alternative accommodation for the Ekanana occupiers had been found around 50 kilometers away. So the municipality proceeded with an eviction and delivered notices to the occupiers on the 27th of August. Almost a year later, on the 22nd of April 2020, during the COVID-19 lockdown, the city and its contracted security agency demolished 14 homes at Ekanana without a court order. Now, a pretty wonderful organization called the Socio-Economic Rights Institute of South Africa, or SIRI, on behalf of Abakhali and the Ekanana residents filed an urgent application to the High Court. And as a result, two days later, on the 24th of April, 2020, the city signed an agreement saying they would, quote, refrain from demolishing, burning and removing or disposing of the applicants informal housing structures in the informal settlement or from causing this to take place, end quote. However, just minutes after the judgment was issued, the municipality's anti-land invasion unit attacked the occupation, shooting at the residents with live ammunition. One of the occupiers, Yamkela Vezi, was shot in the hip and was rushed to hospital with serious injuries. And we said to ourselves, what's the point of having this piece of paper that is supposed to be protecting us from eviction? Here's Sabu Zikode, the president of Abakhali. We had to go to court again and told the judge that actually this piece of paper is not helping. The city continues to tear our shirts. And then we had to hold the city in contempt of the court. We sued the city manager and the mayor personally liable for being in contempt of the court. It is only when they stopped. The garden is beautiful. And when I'm there, it makes me feel good about the amazing progress of South Africa but it has created a situation that is openly antagonistic to institutions in this community. You can disagree with that antagonism, but more importantly, it has put disadvantaged people who are living there without adequate security in danger. You've got to ask, who is that benefiting? Two ward councillors, Veliler Letleko and Mududuzi Ungobo are in Westfall Correctional Centre in Durban right now for murder and conspiracy to commit murder, having been convicted in May 2016. 
They paid their hitman, Umlungizi Unlovo, 15,000 rand. It's about $1,000. Here is Cebu again. Now, Tulinlovo was assassinated because she had stood up against the corruption in the allocation of housing in her community. This name of the assassinated woman, Tulinlovo, is memorialized in this organization. Now, I ask Cebu carefully about the events that led to her murder. There was a housing project that was imposed on the community. There was a piece of traditional land, so not owned by the municipality, but controlled by the local chief, that the ward councillors, without consulting anyone, started building houses on. People needed houses, but there needed to be a protocol that respects culture, that respects the community, that respects the traditional leadership. And some of the houses were built on grave sites. So Tuli stood up in defense of the traditional land, in defense of the dead people on on their graveyard, in defense of her community. And once the houses were completed, the ward councillors were planning to bring in people from other areas, sell the houses and make money for themselves. So this created huge fight and division even within the community. So Tuli was really kind of a whistleblower, but also a leader. The councillor seen that Tuli was becoming the greatest threat to him making money. Tuli was warned about speaking out. She received death threats. We remember on the day she was assassinated. She was coming from Cape Town with some comrades from Abashali. She received these threatening calls. When she got home, she saw this counselor. Uh, his name is Mpiduzi Christian Nobo. I remember the guy very vividly. He was uh, driving one of the smartest cars. Tuli tells her mom that, oh, today I'm going to die. You know, jokingly. Around 7.30 in the evening, a hitman, who would later turn state witness and receive 12 years in jail, arrived at Tuli's house in Pinetown. At that time, Tuli was uh, having her baby with her, and there was uh, two kids in the house. Uh, her daughter, who was ma- doing metric, and the neighbor was helping Tuli's daughter to study. So the gunman came and shot Tuli, and the baby fell. And then the gunman realized that uh, there were also other people in the house that could have become potential witness. The neighbor who was tutoring Tuli's daughter was shot in the stomach, suffered brutally, but luckily survived. So it was not just one counselor, but it was two ANC counselors who actually discussed the plan to kill Tuli. And both two counselors of the ANC were both working for the city government um, of the ANC, uh, were found guilty by the Deben High Court together with their gunmen. So we would like some sort of acknowledgement, maybe even an apology from the ANC. So there was never any comment from the ANC, not an apology, not any statement that disowned, or that tells the public that, well, we have suspended them, we have taken their membership, nothing like that. There is another component to this. Abakhali believes it is not only the ANC and the ward councillors that are against them, they claim the police persecutes them as well. I asked Captain Sabayer about this. I think that you are the fourth reporter. Yeah. Saying the same thing that we are used by ANC. I didn't say you were used no, by No, ANC. no, 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 no. You are not saying. 
I just no, said that. Uh, no, 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 no. I just I didn't no, say we use. No, 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 no. I. No, they said we are helping. Okay. Yeah. What do we you, are. We are, it means that we are listening to. You preferring the aids. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Why they say that we we are biased? We are not biased. No, no, no. I have to say that Abakhali wallow in this incredible level of persecution, but they also have ward councillors incarcerated for assassinations, in part thanks to the police, an arrest for Ayanda's murder, again by the police. If the police were entirely against them, then neither of these events would have happened. But then again, both these things can be true. The police can be with them sometimes and against them for others. Here is Jonas Khedi Alasal giving us an example of how the criminal justice system has been used against this organization. Coming to Ayanda Angila, he was arrested again, on, I think it was the 10th of January. And he was arrested again on a charge of, of murder. And at the time, we were surprised because it was alleged to have happened in, I think, January 2020, at a time when Pat was running one of its political education programs, and Ayanda was a participant there. Pat stands for Pan Africa Today, Jonas's nonprofit. And this was happening in Limpopo. So for us, it was very easy to see the politicization of a criminal charge against an individual because. I was with him at the time that he was supposed to have committed this crime. And again, I mean, he had been arrested multiple times before. So even if anyone had any doubt about, well, maybe there is some guilt here, maybe they did do something, this case was so clear-cut that he was being arrested because he's one of the leaders of a socialist commune. And that is what needed to be dealt with, not the fact that there's a crime that was committed. For Ayanda's bail hearing, Jonas was asked to verify that he was with him at the time the murder was meant to take place. And I said, yes, he was. I mean, there's no reason not to, to say the truth when it is. So he was with us at the time that he was supposed to have committed in this in a different province. It would have been magical for him to be able to go to bed. We all saw him go to bed that night and we all saw him wake up there the following day I think, I mean, this is a bad joke to make, but I would say it'd be, I'd be very impressed about someone being able to travel literally across the country to go commit a crime and wake up again the following morning where you went to bed in a different province. So it was obviously a farce. This is Tabiso Goga. He is a journalist with The Citizen newspaper and has covered this topic and this area extensively. So if you look at the the case against two, Ayanda and Amguni and, you know, the, the two other accused who were arrested, they were in jail for, for six months awaiting bail and they were eventually released. And those charges were dropped by the NPA because they did not have enough evidence. And they later found out that the witnesses who came forward, their stories did not check out. Police could not corroborate the evidence. There are witnesses who sort of were prepared to lie in order to get, you know, their political opponents arrested. Ayanda was released on bail. I asked Captain Sabayer about these alleged wrongful arrests. I don't know why this would always just cry. I think they think that they're being persecuted. I think they think that they get arrested for no, no reason. No, yes, no. That one person was killed. Yeah. He, he was, uh, he, see, he, he, he was out on bail. Yes. But do you think they're being wrongfully arrested? 
No, it was wrong, not wrongful. Here is Jonas again. He's released and within days of being released on bail, being welcomed back into his community as a leader that his community continued to stand with, he is then assassinated. It's hard to argue that the ANC as an entity isn't capable and consumed by violence when you have a local ward councillor like Muzumuni Ngiba, people call him Muzi. He was the ANC ward councillor for Ward 101, an area which contains the Ekanana Garden and Kato Manor Police Station. Muzi allegedly murdered his predecessor, Sayabonga Mkirzi, while Mkirzi was out campaigning. The murder was a few days before the November municipal elections in 2021. The deceased, Mkirzi, went on to win. However, because he'd been killed, there was a by-election in the ward and Muzi took back his old job. It was a position Muzi had held between 2016 and 2021. I think he became desperate because he had a job. He was getting paid good money. And then obviously there might have been extra sources of income coming into him from um, other parties. And now you've lost that sense of power. This is Yanis Horn. He's the deputy chairperson of the Mayville Community Policing Forum and the general manager of Seekers Guesthouse. That's where we are meeting. On the night of the assassination, apparently he had a meeting at the BP garage in the old Belay Road um, with a number of people um, discussing the way forward and who's going to be on his ward committee, who's going to work with and who's he, who's he not going to work with. And then after the meeting, he went to drop off certain people in Cater Crest and that's when the, the hit or assassination took place. He was subsequently arrested and along with three alleged henchmen appeared in court on the 24th of June 2022 for a formal bail application. Spin forward to the 28th of February 2023 and Muzi is being held in Kokstad Maximum Security Prison, still awaiting trial. His lawyer has recently said that he has health issues. Muzi has been a strong antagonist against Abakali. When occupation for the communal garden was finally organized, Muzi was adamant that it would not be a success. He was known to organize members of the local ANC branch executive committee to unlawfully demolish people's homes in the garden. He would arrive heavily armed and fire shots into the air. I know a few of the Abashlali guys have been assassinated. It's all about power. Who's got the power? Mm-hmm. And if somebody rocks the boat, they get taken out. Back in May 2014, Abakhali went as far as to publicly endorse South Africa's main opposition, the Democratic Alliance, for that year's general election. At the time, Abakhali's president said that they were actively encouraging their members to vote DA and that the decision was tactical, as in it would hurt the ANC. And he said the endorsement didn't dismiss their commitment to the politics of the left. At the time, though, the DA had a controversial white leader, Helen Ziller, who has subsequently been investigated by the Human Rights Commission for potentially defending colonialism. For what it's worth, the DA that year got 6% more of the votes than it had in the previous election. (laughs) 
This garden is beautiful though. Pardon? It's beautiful. Yes, yes. That's why they want it so bad. <laughs> I do want it. Sneeko and I are standing beside each other in the Ekanana garden. On this morning, Sneeko is preparing the Abakhali community to take a trip to the Durban Magistrate's court. For us, we're going to court. You guys are all going to court? Yes. yes. Is the hearing today? Yes, it's a hearing today. The other voice you can hear is an American researcher called Jordan Besser. It's Wednesday, the 20th of April, 2022. The court visit isn't actually to do with Ayanda's assassination, but another incident of intimidation. We see this house, this one, yeah. Yeah. This is a new house, even this one, yeah. Yeah. So these people, they paint our house and uh, we get them arrested. And we have to hear how the case is going. Two of the shacks of the commune were burnt down at the start of the year. I asked Sneeko where the suspects are from, and he says, just around here, nearby. You're going to hear uh, the, the case now, how it's going, uh, where they are with the investigation. Eleven members of Abakhali will be in the audience at court today to show solidarity. The sun is out, the rain has stopped momentarily, but the ground is still wet. This place is slippery. <laughs> so there are two cases going on concurrently. And Abakhali members are used to visiting Durban's court pretty regularly. Here is Mbali, the lawyer, talking about the shack burning case. They literally just took everything of hers. They burnt it just after I got them bail for the assault case. Okay. On the evening of the 26th of October 2021, Pumalele Mukizi and Mapiwe Gazella's homes are burned down in the commune. This is on the same day that they were released from jail on assault charges that were dropped. We're going to get more into this story, these charges, and actually speak to Pumalele in a later episode. She has been in custody for continuous amounts of time. And the psychological damage that I also even see, sometimes when I need to speak to her, I don't have to speak to her in a closeted environment. I need to bring her out and be like, let's talk woman to woman, you know, mm. because those are the certain impacts that we have. It's not just her fighting, but it's just her sacrificing everything else on the side. Here is Sabu talking about how he met Mbali and how she has grown into being such an asset for the movement. We've known Mbali in the past three years. I mean, we just picked her up randomly. Not that there was any particular um, reference or something that excited us uh, amongst many other lawyers we used. We kind of asked Mbali uh, because she was, happened to be available at the time to attend to one case in Pinetown Magistrate Court. And um, she did very well on the particular case. And we saw this young, uh, energetic woman. She is a lawyer, but what we've learned recently is um, her passion beyond just being a lawyer, but um, now um, displaying much more of a human right kind of law and sympathy that, that she has shown. Ambali is part of something called Watching Brief, where you can help the state as a private lawyer. Watching Brief is like um, an attorney instructed on behalf of the deceased or the complainant's family to help oversee that the, the crucial evidence that should be presented by the state is, is, is there. They help to ensure, like how I did with the Ayanda and Gila matter, was that I assisted with the bail hearing. I provided um, witness statements that the I.O. hadn't pre presented before. 
I presented um, evidence of intimidation that had been sent to my clients, you know, because they're more comfortable speaking to me than the prosecution itself. Ambali is basically, at least in part, doing the job of the state lawyers and in some cases the police as well. We go into court 10 and watch the back of the heads of three men in the dock. Here's Sneeko afterwards explaining to me what happened. The court, uh, it was postponed uh, to the 26th of May. Yes, and, and they said there's still uh, one accused who's still on the run. The other two are outside with bail and the other one is inside in custody. Yes, that's why they, they're keeping him now. One's in custody, two's in bail, one's on the run. Okay, and then how do you feel about what happened in there? Me, I still feel okay because I, I know uh, everything. They still, the table still cannot turn because uh, we call our lawyer inside there. You want them to be sentenced, you see. Uh, uh, that's our main aim. You want them to be sentenced. Uh, them to get a pay like this is not good for us and we, 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 li- we are living in threats because uh, they always... Uh, moving inside a canal. We were talking about it. We you wanted yes. a conviction, basically. Yes, yes, yes. but uh, uh, it will happen. Uh, it's just a matter of time, and and, and we have to wait uh, uh, for the court to to play uh, its role. Watching him contort yet another postponement into an almost victory breaks me inside. I suddenly feel like there is no way out of this. We head back to the commune. Next, I get a visit from Ambali, the lawyer, at my Airbnb in Durban. It has just stopped raining for a few hours. She's busy preparing for her court date, the 6th of May, when the suspect for Ayanda's murder, Kayon Gabani, will appear for a bail application. The community is ready. We, they're not people that are going to be like, we are witnesses, but we don't want to be unknown. We already know. Mm. You know? So they're ready to stand even before the courts and tell them, listen, I was there, I saw him pull the trigger, and even if I talk, even if I don't talk, you know, some things are inadvertible, it's going to happen, because we now know as Abashai that what are we fighting for? It's a greater deal than that. They're willing to testify, basically. They're willing. They are willing, and like I said, as you can see, I've got a bundle with all of their affidavits, they have to be commissioned, this is like over 10, and they present themselves there, and I told them, now is the time for us to be physically vocal about it mm. and tell them no. So that even if anything happens, they know that you are a material witness to this case. This is incredibly bold. Usually people do not go on record with what they have seen with regards to an assassination. There is one Abakhali member in particular who stands out, Nokatula Mbaso. She's a brave and fantastic mother of four. And she wrote and signed an affidavit detailing Ayanda's killing. She knows two of the four people who shot at Ayanda that day. Journalist Lawazi Halangu went to go meet her and she told him everything that she put in that affidavit. Do you think there's going to be a conviction on this case? I think there'll be conviction. Someone has made that and then uh, there's strong evidence from what I've, I've seen, there's strong evidence against uh, the accused. 
The final goal for Mbali is a conviction of the suspect. It would be a failure of justice if there is no conviction. I myself as a criminal defense attorney, that one would be very difficult because there is over, I don't know, 20 live eyewitnesses. So far, we've only submitted the affidavits of those that were close by. But, you know, with the momentum that's building up, the community is willing, you know, they're willing to testify. In the next episode, we are going to court. The suspect for Ayanda's murder and our lawyer, Mbali, will be in the same room. And Mbali will be armed with a host of witness testimonies detailing what happened on the day of the assassination. Most importantly, she'll have the affidavit of Nokatula Mbasu. The Last Afternoon in the Garden is a four-part podcast series produced by me, Paul McNally, for Develop Audio. We are an audio-focused organization based in South Africa that is producing podcasts like this and teaching a growing community of African journalists to produce podcasts and audio projects. Check out our work at developaudio.co.za. The music for this series is composed by John Bartman. You can check out his work at John Bartman, that's with two N's, dot com. And this episode was mixed and mastered with additional editing by Danny Boyson. And also a huge thanks goes to the Henry Namalo Foundation for their financial support with this series. We could not have done it without them. And thanks to the Mail and Guardian for being the publishing partner for this series. You can find this series and other podcasts by them at mg.co.za. See you on the next episode. Goodbye. on the next episode of The Last Afternoon in the Garden. I think I even looked horrible. <laughs> I cried a lot because I felt as though, you know, does that now make me somewhat of an influential killer because I'm getting them out? There are people, you know, who do not speak glowingly of Abashali. There's a lot of accusations, you know, there's a lot of accusations. So I don't want to say something, you know, that might get me sued.